the Giants of Philosophy, narrated by Charlton Heston. This is number one on Friedrich Nietzsche. God is dead, proclaimed Friedrich Nietzsche over a century ago. This is only one of the many startling claims that made Nietzsche both famous and notorious by the time he died in 1900. Nietzsche may be the most controversial thinker in the entire history of philosophy. He rejects many commonly accepted beliefs and advances disturbing ideas in their place. He also is easily misunderstood. Germany's Nazis later claimed Nietzsche as their philosophical inspiration. This guilt by association made it almost impossible for him to get a fair hearing in the English-speaking world for many years. Even today, for other reasons, he continues to arouse deep suspicion and strong opposition. This is hardly surprising when Nietzsche calls the Jewish and Christian idea of God a lie, utterly unworthy of belief, and denies that each and every human life has unconditional value. He also denounces both democracy and socialism. He disputes these supposedly self-evident truths that we are all created equal, endowed with God-given rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Nietzsche scathingly criticizes conventional morality saying it's fit only for herd animals. He wants to set aside the moral ideas of good and evil and to venture beyond them in both thought and action. He celebrates competition and conflict, claiming that we should ignore the suffering they may cause ourselves or others. Nietzsche questions every traditional value, calling for the revaluation of all values in terms of their value for life and for the enhancement of life and he interprets all life and all value as expressions of a single fundamental drive he calls the will to power. Nietzsche further insists that human beings are basically only a peculiar species of animal. He considers the creative few to be a higher and more valuable type of human being than others, and proclaims the Übermensch, or Overman, to be the meaning of the earth. He disputes the claims by modern science, religion, and metaphysics that they reveal the truth about the world and ourselves. Nietzsche esteems art more highly than science and prizes creativity above reason. He even rejects traditional and ordinary concepts of truth and knowledge, claiming that there are no facts, only interpretations. And these are only some of his more radical and unsettling views. It's small wonder that many people find all of this shocking and repelling. Many philosophers have agreed, and the fact that Nietzsche didn't write and argue in traditional philosophical terms has given them yet another reason to pay no serious attention to him. Bertrand Russell, one of the 20th century's most prominent English-speaking philosophers, ridicules him and dismisses him with contempt. Nietzsche, though a professor, was a literary rather than an academic philosopher. His general outlook remained very similar to that of Wagner in The Ring. Nietzsche's Superman is very like Siegfried, except that he knows Greek. This may seem odd, but that is not my fault. He condemns Christian love because he thinks it is an outcome of fear. It does not occur to Nietzsche as possible that a man should genuinely feel universal love, obviously because he himself feels almost universal hatred and fear.
which he would fain disguise as lordly indifference. His noble man, who is himself in his daydreams, is a being wholly devoid of sympathy, ruthless, cunning, cruel, concerned only with his own power. King Lear, on the verge of madness, says, I will do such things, what they are yet I know not, but they shall be the terror of the earth. This is Nietzsche's philosophy in a nutshell. Russell's harsh assessment has been shared until recently by many British and American philosophers. But in Europe, Nietzsche has long been regarded as one of the greatest and most important thinkers in modern philosophy. Martin Heidegger, Russell's leading German contemporary, saw Nietzsche as the culmination of the entire history of Western philosophy. Nietzsche's philosophy is the end of metaphysics, inasmuch as it reverts to the very commencement of Greek thought, taking up such thought in a way that is peculiar to Nietzsche's philosophy alone. Because Nietzsche's fundamental metaphysical position is the end of metaphysics, it performs the grandest and most profound gathering and accomplishment of all the fundamental positions in Western philosophy since Plato. Who was Nietzsche, this radical, controversial iconoclast? His brief career ended tragically in 1889 when he suffered a complete physical and mental collapse at the age of only 44. He never recovered, lingering on as a pathetic, insane invalid for another 11 long years till at last he died in 1900. Nietzsche wrote of himself, I am dynamite, but even during his most productive period in his early 40s, he was not at all explosive or impressive, either in height or build or in manner. He was a man of modest stature, very reserved, soft-spoken, polite, rather shy, especially with women. In his appearance, he was distinguished only by his enormous walrus mustache and by his piercing eyes. Migraine headaches plagued him throughout his life. He was vigorous and energetic as a young man, but he contracted dysentery and diphtheria during his brief services and orderly in the Franco-Prussian War of 1870. From his mid-twenties onward, his health deteriorated dramatically. He suffered for the rest of his life from a variety of illnesses. Until his health failed, Nietzsche had many close, rewarding personal relationships. As his condition worsened, he couldn't sustain them. In his later years, his few enduring friendships became increasingly troubled. His intense relations with his possessive mother and sister also were more stressful than satisfying. Nietzsche never married, though he hoped to marry on several occasions. He abstained almost completely from sexual activity. It's bitterly ironic that his final physical and mental collapse was probably caused by syphilis. Following his resignation from his professorship at Basel, Nietzsche led a lonely and very simple life. He had no home other than a succession of boarding houses in Switzerland and Italy. He moved about constantly, seeking relief from the illnesses that tormented him. During these years before his collapse, he devoted all the effort he could muster to his work, which obsessed him. It's utterly astonishing that this afflicted man was able to produce such a wealth of brilliant writing during his last dozen years. To do this, he had to overcome his own frailty and suffering, 
and find the strength and determination to redeem himself through creativity. It's no mere coincidence that these qualities are stressed in his writings. Nietzsche knew all too well what he was talking about. Part of his greatness was his ability to turn his adversity to philosophical advantage.